Not all musicians, turned filmmakers, can make a successful horror film. <clears throat> Glenn Danzig. Man, that's just mean. That's mean, man. But some manage to make a truly disturbing piece of cinematic art that eventually becomes a cult film. One such film is House of a Thousand Corpses by Rob Zombie. Released in 2003, but shot in 2000, this film has a long history and one that many filmmakers looking to go into full gore and violence may want to pay attention to if they have not followed it along with a slew of horror and music fans back in the day. So what is that history? How did the film come to be? And what happened once it was done and finished? What made the original studio unhappy to the point of not wanting to release it? You know the drill. Let's find out on this episode of what the f happened to this horror movie. I want to thank you guys for watching what the f happened to this horror movie and ask that if you enjoy our shows, please subscribe to our channel right now, like this video and click on the bell so you can be notified each time a new video goes up. And now back to the show. Musician Rob Zombie was well established with his band White Zombie and as a solo act by 2000. And it was clear that the man loved horror in all its forms, something easy to see in his music videos, easy to hear in his lyrics and easy to deduce from his style. White Zombie, his band, formed in 1985, and their name was a good clue to the horror love, being named after a classic zombie film that all should see for the sake of their cinematic education. Horror themes ran rampant in their work, and even after their disbanding in 1998, most of the members moved on to horror-themed bands and projects. Rob Zombie went solo officially in 1996, with a single co-headlined by Alice Cooper. His work as solo artist included songs like Dragula, which ended up being used in the horror films Idle Hands and Book of Shadows, Blair Witch 2. Living Dead Girl showed up on Angel and in Bride of Chucky. Before the 2000s, he was established as a mainstay in horror films for his music. Considering his influences, moving to films made sense. To some, to most, they didn't know what to expect. Then 2000 rolled around. Rob Zombie's House of a Thousand Corpses came to production under Universal Studios being filmed on their lot. They clearly did not give it much priority, allowed the tram tours to go through the sets, thus stopping filming quite often to allow tourists to oogle the sets. The fact that the film used houses from previous movies and some easily recognizable locations didn't help with tourists wanting to take a peek. As reported by many outlets then and now, the film had an ever-evolving script, which seemed to change to the whims of Zombie and to match his mood or new ideas. His original script and changes had a lot more violence and gore than what was in the finished product. From multiple sources online and in print at the time, the stories of the filming of House of a Thousand Corpses were relayed over and over with some variations, but the main bits stayed the same. This was gonna be one bloody, violent, gory film. What was lesser known was that Zombie was shooting two different takes of many scenes, as he knew some of his work would not be appreciated by the ever-tolerant <laughs> MPAA. He knew blood and gore would need to be trimmed or changed, so he shot scenes in two ways, some with almost no blood and some with plenty. He even played with lights, having some shots in white lighting and some in more ominous red lighting. These lighting patterns eventually got cut together in the film, creating a light and tone changing effect. This look to the film extends to the cinematography. For his first effort, Zombie hired two persons to take care of this and may have shot some of the footage himself. While the work of Alex Pappas and Tom Richmond seems to merge seamlessly, something rare when multiple visions connect, the film looks like the vision one would expect from Zombie. This leads to believe 
that he had well planned the look of the film and expressed his vision quite well. Having many films for inspiration, getting the look to be uniform for the entire film, no matter who shot it, probably was fairly simple. Some of the more different sequences in terms of looks seem to be part of the parts Zombie shot in his own basement, with specific cast members being called to come film one by one. These were mostly part of the cut sequences that can be found online, but some of that work is still seen in the final cut of the film that most own on DVD these days. Those scenes were inspired by the Manson family and what they may have filmed for themselves. Another inspiration is John Wayne Gacy for Captain Spaulding. The inspiration may be more stylistic than the crimes these murderers committed. Another possible inspiration that comes and goes in readings about the film is the Bender family, also known as the Bloody Benders. This one seems to have come after the fact. Online sources list this family as the real-life inspirations for the Firefly family. And then other sources mention that the Fireflies in The Devil's Rejects are purely fictional, as these are the exact same characters in slightly different settings. Could it simply be a bit of a mix? For anyone having seen the film often enough attention, there is a high chance that some of the inspirations may very well be from that family, and perhaps a few others, fictional and otherwise. As shot and edited to Zombie's liking, the film was 105 minutes, but it eventually became the 89-minute cut seen in theaters. What happened there? Well, a lot. The film, in its complete director's cut, has played one single film festival in Argentina in 2003. This is how most of the reports online of the cutscenes came to be. Some of these are first-hand recollection, but others are second-hand, third-hand, or simply rumors. This version of the film did float online for a while, so some folks may still be sitting on a file of it without knowing. The pirated version was quickly replaced with the screener version clocking in at 89 minutes, and the 105-minute version seems to have fully disappeared. Rumored longer scenes could add as much as 40 minutes to the 89-minute version, a version that seems to have never been seen by any member of the public. From what can be found in magazines, interviews, commentaries, online and whatnot, the cut material was more gruesome and incredibly violent at times. It also contained a much more explicit scene between Baby and a skeleton, showing her tendency for necrophilia, as well as something the MPAA heavily frowns upon, female sexual enjoyment. In this case, the scene really pushed all the boundaries, and it was decided early on to remove it to avoid pissing off the MPAA and the studio. Universal was the original studio behind the film, and they seemed to have let Rob Zombie mostly alone with this one. They even seemed to originally encourage his vision and style. However, once Zombie delivered his cut, one that was already cut down to avoid problems, the studio was not so cool. Originally, they cut a trailer and released it. They had been warned that it would be gritty, nasty, gory, and absolutely not a mainstream film. They didn't seem to mind. Then they saw the film, and the fear took to them. They feared that film would be rated NC-17, a box office killer in the US, as very few to almost no theaters would take on a film with that rating. The film was shelved for months, leading to Rob Zombie buying it back with an urge to just scrap it. In comes MGM. Then we're at MGM for a minute, and then uh, I made some comment jokingly about MGM having no morals, so they don't have a problem releasing the film. But they didn't find that to be very funny, so then they kicked me out of there. After this, Zombie decided to release the film himself, but before he could do so, Lionsgate showed interest. They quickly signed on to release the film as they were looking to go further into the horror genre and diversify their catalog. The film was finally cut to its R-rating version and prepped for release. A few film festival screenings later and the film was finally making its way into theaters. Would the Firefly family get a hit? Well, yes and no. 
The film was not exactly loved by reviewers, but film goers at Fright Fest in the UK seemed to indicate that the tickets for this new style horror would be selling like hotcakes. Releasing in April of 2003, the film placed second at the box office. The film made a total worldwide box office of 16.8 million, which was plenty for Lionsgate to make their investment back and get them interested in a sequel, which Zombie already had plans for. The film may have only made 16.8 million at the box office, but where it really found its footing was on home video. Horror fans were picking it up fast and showing it around to their friends. House of a Thousand Corpses became a bit of a cult hit in no time. Reviewers be damned. The 20% on Rotten Tomatoes meant nothing to fans and they showed up for the film and still do. Fans aligned more with this and made the film a success that Lionsgate was eager to repeat. This led to the sequel, The Devil's Rejects, which saw a major shift in style and could easily be labeled Rob Zombie's best film to date. The sequel kept the violence up, but went in more of a road film, almost western, anti-heroes, on-the-run style. This made for a different film in style, tone, and execution. But that was exactly where the Firefly family needed to go, and a third film was eventually greenlit. While it has its moments, Three From Hell feels like something is missing throughout, something that made House of a Thousand Corpses truly special. At this point in Rob Zombie's career, his first film is still highly regarded by fans and his second film is beloved. The sheer violence, the performances, the editing, the addition of what looks like home movies, the seemingly random yet perfect casting, the soundtrack being pure Rob Zombie, the mythical Dr. Satan, and so much more are still very much on the cool radar for horror fans. The film's views spike every Halloween season. As it is said at that time of the year, and has that special haunted house feel to it. Speaking of which, in 2010, and then again in 2019, their theme parks, Halloween celebrations, Halloween Horror Nights had mazes, or haunted houses if you prefer, based on the film. These were wildly popular, so perhaps fans will be able to bring the film back to the celebrations someday in the future. Another sign of the film's perennial success, every year, more and more collectibles seem to come out based on the Firefly family. While House of a Thousand Corpses seemed doomed to fail almost from the start, it showed a strong following in the horror community even before being released, and its mystery was appealing. The many cuts needing to be made to be able to get an R rating, the rumored extra gore, the known missing scenes, the music video style of parts of the film, the utmost charisma of Sid Haig as Captain Spaulding, the bits and pieces seen everywhere these days bring in new fans regularly and keep the early days watchers coming back for more.